I'm Kyle. Okay, here's where y'all are so wrong because y'all are idiots. And I'm Drew with a U. All right, let's freaking get some hot D action. And I'm Handsome Drew. I sit on the Iron Throne of Opens. When you play the game of intros, you either win or you die. And this is not. And this is not. And this is not. This is not the podcast you deserve. Welcome to episode 130 of Not the Podcast You Deserve. Whoever said we wouldn't make it past seven, man, were you wrong. Anyway, (laughs) we are talking about House of the Dragon, one of the episodes, the newest one. It's eight or nine or whatever at this point. Uh, Who knows? We've we've time jumped so many times. It could be season nine for all I know, not episode nine. But anyway, it was a really cool episode. And we are busting through your speakers like dragons through the sept. What Hello. did you guys think of this episode? I, I think this episode gives you just about everything you want in a Game of Thrones-esque episode. Where it's great uh, pacing. It feels like it's breakneck speed, but all you're doing is watching people in rooms talk. Yeah, And, yeah. and they're somehow able to make that really tense and able to push the plot to shove plot down your throat and to make it more tense and more tense and there's political intrigue there's familiar intrigue and then they they hit the climax with a big kind of action set which in this case was just a huge dragon showing up (laughs) but it still felt so important and so cool because of what has led up to it so these guys do a phenomenal job of laying out story and pacing it all and putting it together and making each scene kind of build on the last one. Um, and they had a lot to build on with the last episode. I thought they knocked out of the park with this one. I can't wait to see how this season ends next week. Yeah, I, I really like that this episode stayed entirely inside of King's Landing. Uh, we we didn't jetpack around to Dragonstone. We didn't see Rhaenyra. We didn't see Damon. We didn't see the other side of this civil war we didn't see the blacks we only saw the greens and the high towers and even like to start it just stayed inside the red keep yeah we didn't even leave there for very long and or sorry we didn't even leave there for a long time and uh i thought that that kyle to your point is getting back to the heart of game of thrones is people in rooms talking and captivating your attention through Plot and intrigue and character development, not uh, big giant plot devices um, and, and big battles. You know, those are cool and have and have really fun payoffs. But the thing that really sucks you in and makes you buy in is the character development, which these characters have changed a lot since episode one, which granted, it's been like 60 years. No, that's too many. But it's been like... <laughs> It's been like 40 years since episode one. Uh, So, by the way, for those of you, it hasn't been said explicitly in the show yet. Uh, The Blacks and the Greens are the uh, two rival factions during the Dance of the Dragons. These are the Civil Wars. And Rhaenyra's camp will be the Blacks and the High Towers will be the Greens. So, I know I've said, I've used that terminology before and it might be self-explanatory, but I just wanted to be uh, over over the top of explaining that to make sure there's no confusion. I think the best thing that House of the Dragon does, also Game of Thrones did before it, is that no one is purely good and no yeah. one is purely bad. Everybody's kind of got their their bones. Uh, so you see Alicent in this episode 
she's like, we've kind of grown to hate a little bit. She kind of got, she won us back a little bit in the last episode when she tried to make friends with Rhaenyra uh, as her husband was dying. But you see her like really mourn the death of her husband. And that actress did a great job in that scene um, where you get to see her really be sad that this guy's dead. And that it, even though it was kind of an arranged marriage um, by her father, that like she really did care about him. And she really yeah. is sad that he's gone. Um, and then you get, so you can already feel sympathetic for her. So she gets thrown into the small council meeting and the hand's like, hey, King Viserys is dead, you know. Uh, and and I think the Lannister guy goes, great, now we can get back with our long laid plan of making King Aegon the king. And Allison was like, wait, y'all been doing this behind my back this whole time? So they're yeah. kind of giving you that little bit of redemption for like, she wasn't exactly plotting this whole thing all along. She just had hopes that her son would one day sit on the throne, but she wasn't like plotting how it was going to happen. That was just like her hope, which any, you know, parent would have for their child that they are better off than, than what they were. Um, so I thought yeah. that was really good to build that character arc out to where she's not, she's going to be the bad guy in this show, but she's not all bad. And no one outside of Clubfoot is really all bad in the show. <laughs> <front>. <laughs> Yeah, there there are two things on that, on Allison's character, that were frustrating me watching the show. One, I want her to be all bad because it's just easier for me to hate her. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and I thought that was a good choice by the writers to to make it not that way. Because in the books, or in the books, she is a much more heavily involved in the scheming. Oh, she is not okay. like this innocent nice. uh, bystander, you know, as she references to her dad, like, I'm just a piece that you moved on the board in the game. And he's like, well, I made you queen. So like, uh, are you mad about that? Uh, but it, in the book, she's much more part of the, of the whole scheme uh, anyway. So it would have been, it would have been well within their rights to make her a more over the top schemer yeah. and be hated by the fans. But I like the choice that they made because it, makes it more interesting as a viewer it's not just well obviously she's the bad guy and she's the good guy it's you know good and bad on both sides i i loved the high towers locking it down and yeah. the, was it the director who talked in the commentary afterwards about how this is kind of set up like a thriller spy like you can really feel all of these parties yeah are, they call it a they call it hitchcockian yeah 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 there, all these parties are like trying to do something without letting anyone else know what's going on, and it kind of adds like a little comedic element to some very serious dramatic times, which I thought was funny. I, I think the Allison versus Otto kind of battle is very interesting, where they're both trying to get Aegon first. Um, I didn't, I didn't catch in the small council that Allison and Otto were going. For, or going forward, we're going to be on separate sides. And so I was, I was a little caught behind there. Were you, did y'all pick up on that yeah, right away? Yeah, it's because Otto was like, well, Renera's got to die. Right. And Allison was like, no, I don't want that. And the king wouldn't want that. And yeah. that's, I, th- and they both know that whoever gets to Aegon first will get to control him and tell him what to do. Right. Uh, I, I thought that which, was super cool i didn't pick up on it till later going back and be like oh they split off and they both knew they needed to get Aegon first that's with you yeah i didn't realize that in my first viewing either 
that it was basically the rush to get Aegon was the fate of Rhaenyra. And yeah. essentially all of Westeros, but the 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 hand wanted to get to Aegon because he was A gonna kill Rhaenyra and B unite the realm. And uh Alicent wanted to get to Aegon because she wanted to save Rhaenyra and then make a peaceful option where kind of everybody could win and be happy. She got to have her cake and eat it too. I didn't realize that Rhaenyra's fate was in the balance mm-hmm. until the second viewing. So th- that's I think, and I think that just goes to good storytelling and good writing. Um, that they were able to, you can unpack some right. more as you go. They're subtle. So uh, I want to ask you guys: Who do you think is the most unconnected to reality right now? Uh, huh, is huh. it Otto Hightower? Is it Allison Hightower? Is it Sir Kristen Cole? It's Kristen Cole. That needs such a. <laughs> or is it Aegon? No, <laughs> flipping head cold, man. Dude, he that dude smashed an eighty-year-old's head into a table, and everybody just watched him bleed out. And they're like, "Should we leave? Should we get that body?" I'm like, "No, we don't close. No. We don't open this door until we figure out who the king is." Which oh, we I hate Cole Dougal so much. Hang up his Dougal, his yes, cape because of that exact scene. That was heartbreaking. Yeah. I love it. When they drew swords on each other, yeah. I was like, no, yeah. Dougal can't die right now. <laughs> Don't kill Dougal on me. I was going to be so No, mad. Lord Commander Westerling is a boss. Yeah. His name is Dougal. He shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no. I didn't so even Lord, like Highlander, Lord, but I'm calling him Dougal. <laughs> uh, Lord Beesbury is the guy that dies, right? And he gets, like, so unceremoniously murdered. Yeah, but the, yeah. the director said he went out kind of heroic and honorary. Like no, that dude got curb stomped from behind. What are you talking about? He he went. His last breath was defending what he thought was right, which is honorable to to some extent. <laughs> yeah, but also like he wasn't a great member of the small council anyway. Like he yeah, kind of didn't kind of do anything. So it was like his one act of I am going to stand for good, and then he just was straight murked because of it. It's like <laughs> yeah. ah, yikes. Kristen Cole's killed like five people, and and no one's better than I. I think he's been promoted twice <laughs> since then. Oh yeah, like, big time, big time. I hate the guy so much. Yeah, he is like the faithful hound of Allison, and is gonna ride or die with that train now because he he got promoted to Lord Captain Commander at the end of the episode. So like, good for him. Uh, yeah. He came a long oh, way. When when Dougal and Cole drew swords at each other. I did love that they showed the Lannister guy just getting the heck out of the way. Yeah. Oh yeah, he gets out of his chair. And he just gets to the opposite side of the room. I thought that was such a such a Tyrion move. Yeah. You know what? I'm I'm gonna remove myself from the situation. Regardless of who comes out on top, I'll be on that person's yeah. side. I thought that was that's such a Lannister thing to do. Um, yeah, not like then, stop, stop, don't do this. He was like, I'm just gonna be over here. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then uh, Crawford, I think. The next scene, there, uh, Allison's going to try to find Aegon, and uh-huh. she goes to his room where uh-huh. Bug Girl, who is now Bug Girl wife, uh-huh. is sitting there knitting what it looked like to be a spider. It's a needlepoint of a spider. That was the first <laughs> note I made. Yes, <laughs> um, I was like, okay, so either either she's just super weird, and the writers are just having a lot of fun with her being super weird, or there's some imagery with the insects that I don't understand at this point. But literally every time we've seen her, she's either carrying a bug, squashing a bug, or knitting a bug. So there's something there that I don't want you to tell me. But if you could tell me like what I should read or look into to 
maybe help me on my on my way to figure out what Bug Girl's deal is. That would be great. But then she also says that there's a beast beneath the boards. And she gets kind of like crazy-eyed. I was like, I bet that'll come up <laughs> in a future episode. Turns out I just need to wait 30 minutes for it to come yeah, up. This one was... Or so I think, unless there's more. Yeah, this no. a little on the nose, this one. <laughs> I mean, the first one was, he's going to have to close an eye for it. <laughs> and I mean, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty clear what, what was going to happen. But this one's just straight up a dragon underneath the floor. <laughs> Anytime Bug Girl talks, I'm now taking heavy note of it. Because it is so that's... going to show up. That's what I was going to say. It's like, don't worry about the bugs. Don't worry about like what she's doing with the bugs. Worry about what she's saying because she's got the foretelling. I, I'm kind of worried about, to be honest with you, I'm she's, a little worried about what she's doing with the bugs. To quote Fired Up, she's, she's got the shine. All right. Um, <laughs> I, I would say, and I made this note after the, the bug knitting as well, but um, it's annoying to me that Allison believes she's doing what's right. Because I just want her to be straight evil. Uh, um, that was kind of the note for Viserys too, right? Like, even though it was obvious that Rhaenyra's kids weren't Valerian, mm-hmm. like, he, he was blinded by that a little bit because of his love for his daughter. So I think you're kind of getting the same thing. Like, Allison's got to be able to put two to two together. That This dude had 40 years to name Aegon his heir and didn't do it. But now she heard three words and now it's like, oh, that's obviously what he meant. And she's running with it. I think it's also kind of the parent being a little blind to the situation in order to help out their kid. What is our um, situation, Dad? Uh. <laughs> Thanks, Todd. Okay, and then so we get right into the hunt for Aegon. Uh, I was going to bring up Eric and Arik. I don't know if we had yeah. introduced to them yet or not, but I, I wanted to, to key in because you had mentioned them earlier, Crawford. So when they came up, I was like, "Yes, oh, they're either going to be really important or they're going to die this episode. <laughs> <laughs> So am I correct in thinking, it's so already with Game of Thrones, they give you 100,000 different characters, they give you 17 different hair colors, all of which are very important. You have all these different things to track and maps to know and and alliances to understand, allegiances to get through. And now they give you flipping twins (laughs) that have have almost the same name. And I think they're going to be on different sides of this battle. Is that what I was picking up on? The one who was like sworn to Aegon is like, Telling his brother, I don't know which one it is, because they look the same and they, their name is almost the same. He's like, this is who this guy is. Like, he's the worst. He's got a bunch of little blonde-haired kids running around this fighting ring. That was um, dramatic. Like, this, this guy's not a good dude. Like, we don't need, I don't know if he's saying we don't need to find him, or if he's saying, like, we should kill him if we find him. But obviously one of them was like, this dude is not who we need him to be. Yeah. Uh, this guy is not who we need our next king to be. The other one was kind of like, dude, it's our job. Let's just go grab him. Um, but is, did I pick up on all of the subtext? There? Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think you were getting that, and this was going to be one of my points as well. I think the hunt shows a or is a representative of a pretty interesting thing that House of the Dragon has to do in that with all the big time jumps, you're having to place all this character development in some of these little vignettes, right? We haven't really seen Big Aegon, and I've. That's a dumb way to describe him, but we haven't seen older Aegon really outside of the last episode. So to know what he's going to be like as a king, you're going to have to get a little bit more context. So you're getting this pretty strong exposition from the Cargill brothers about 
what kind of man he is. And so I like how they're stringing along some of these vignettes together to reveal the character to you through yeah. others' perspectives. Uh, but yes, you, you totally nailed the, the subtext there with them. Of One of them is like, this dude is the worst. I've seen it firsthand. Uh, he's the guy that goes to Allison in the last episode to tell her like, hey, there's been another incident. Your son has raped somebody. You're going to have to come deal with this. And he, Bring you can tell, tea. yeah, he's like, I don't like doing this. This guy yeah. is the worst. Mm. And I basically have to cover up for all of his transgressions. And he's not fit to rule the kingdom. And now I'm being told, go find him because he's about to rule the kingdom. Like, no, I don't want to. Like, <laughs> I have moral <laughs> problems with that. And the other brother's like, just do it. It's our job. Yeah. Like, we swore an oath to death. Like, this is not your choice to make. It's your duty to follow. Mm-hmm. I, I, That's good stuff. If we want to go into the the fight scene that the the Eric the Car- Cargill brothers have with Cole and Ugh. and Amond, uh, what'd you say? Ugh. Oh well, I thought you were gonna say the fight scene between the little kids. I was like, that oh, made me no, uncomfortable. Oh no, 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 not at all. Oh, one one line before we get there, real quick. When Amond and Cole were looking for Aegon, and they couldn't, they they went to the brothel first, and they went to some other shady place, apparently. Eamon looks at Cole and said, we're upstanding men. Like, we don't think the same as Aegon. We won't. We don't know where to look because we wouldn't think to go to the places somebody like this would go. Mm-hmm. Which, to your point, Crawford, was another really great, like, viewpoint of giving the viewer some backstory on just how bad is this Aegon guy. We get to see Joffrey for three seasons be the worst human yeah. on the mm-hmm. earth before he became king. So we were dreading that moment. Anyways, kind of ever since we saw him as a little kid uh, taking the telescope from Batman in the alleyway. Um, And this, they had to do all of that for us in like five minutes. And he was not on screen for any of it. The show is so well written. It's so well written. And and I'm fired up to hear where Drew Allen's about to go at this point. Yeah. And and I think a lot of that writing also translates to the screen in other ways, like how this whole scene is set up. So we have... Uh, the Cargill brothers have found Aegon because we, we, we don't have to talk about every scene, but Otto goes to the White Worm, and that was kind of a cool little back and forth. We get to see kind of the voice of the people meet the voice of the king, and those kind of deal with each other. I think that's a really cool dynamic. But uh, then the Cargill brothers get Aegon, and Sir Kristen Cole and Aemond ambush them, and then you get two fights simultaneously. Which Cargill brother is it that wants to be with Aegon? I uh, I can't remember, but because I don't have to spell it, I'm going to say Ert. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Phenomenal. Nice. Okay, so he starts fighting Kristen to try to get to Aemon. Aemon is just running away, and I'm sorry, Aegon, dadgummit, this is not going to be confusing at all. <laughs> but uh, Aegon tries to book it, Aemon tackles him, and that's a really interesting fight because... Aegon just wants to leave, and Aemon just wants to be king, but he has to get Aegon yeah. to the throne. So we'll break into that. I'm not fit to rule. He goes, I will not argue. <laughs> you, I, I, I too agree. You are not fit to rule. This is the most Daemon we've seen Aemon so far, which if you're sure. not confused yet, just wait. 
Um, <laughs> the other, I didn't notice the the Cargill brothers uh, dynamic happening until the the director kind of spelled it out for me. But one Cargill brother doesn't join the fight. He's just standing back Mm-mm. watching the whole time, and he's the most distant from all of the action, which I think is very cool pacing. And like I said, the scene set up with two really tall buildings and a huge kind of divide. And so you have two opposing sides on screen with the buildings, the set, two opposing sides with the the how towers, two opposing sides with Cole and Eric, two of the high towers, you know, assistants, and then two of the Cargill brothers are at odds. There's so much division happening on the scene. It's so yeah. good. What what were y'all's big takeaways? Uh, from that scene specifically, the only thing I could th- keep thinking of is if two Targaryen princes are fighting in the street, how is this not drawing a crowd? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> like the whole point of this was like, keep your hood up, hide your hair, keep it secret, don't let anybody see you. And then not only do two Kingsguards draw their swords on each other, but two Targaryen princes are fighting in front of the Sept. And, <laughs> and like the... One of the priests just like turns and walks away instead of everybody being like, oh, heck, yeah, like we should come watch this. That's a good point. Uh, the yeah. The only interaction we've seen the people have with the royalty is when the kings, when Damon's yellow coated Kingsguard came in and just started chopping everybody up. So sure, that may be why they run. There's so many stories throughout the Targaryens of their children and lords uh, that came up and people that got on the small council just because they were lords instead of being, you know, the actual qualified person instead. Um, This is a little nerd part, so you can cut this out later if you want. But King Jaehaerys, who is known as the the, uh, conciliator, he was the, the best king out of all of them. He was known for not caring about who the title was but just like who the person was and he made a pintoshi money changer his lord of coin or master of coin and was like the best like brought the kingdom out of bankruptcy did all these amazing things but he was still hated because he was a foreigner um at one point he replaced him with a guy that was totally inept uh lord martin tyrell but he did it because that guy's wife was actually like incredibly smart and basically made the other guy master of coin so that his wife could actually run it for him. Uh, but he, he couldn't name her to the small council. Uh, so things like that, where you have to play the game of it is expected that a lord, you know, owns things and is the smartest person in the room. It is expected that the oldest son inherits all the things and is the best person it and you know it is expected that if you are uh, a daughter that you get married off and have children and those are the expectations you cannot deviate from the plan and it's when people do that they become interesting and actually achieve great things in the story there have been a lot of disturbing scenes in (sighs) the game of thrones universe but i would maybe put clubfoot Oh, Let's no. figure out that Clubfoot has a foot fetish. Uh, pass. Like hard pass. I don't want to talk top. about this at all. <laughs> very top of the most disturbing things. Pass. That we've seen. And the fact that they just uh, layered that slowly for us is like, oh my gosh. So I thought, <laughs> I, I was so uncomfortable. I thought that maybe um, Alicent repaying him for killing 
Sir Breakbones and Sir Breakbones' dad would be that she made him lord of that haunted castle place. But now I think it's that and that he's got to see her feet, which is just super. Yeah. Is that from the book or did the writers come up with that just to make everyone uncomfortable? Oh, no. So I want to be so clear. Like none of this happened in the book. And <laughs> like none, like none of this episode happened in the book. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah. 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 So, uh, they're all just taking creative license, which you have to do because, again, the book was written as a history, right? Yeah. So it tells you some events that happen and can give you some exposition into the mindset of what the person might have been thinking or doing or saying at that time. But to really make you hate or, you know, sympathize with the character, they're going to have to take some creative license. Making him a foot fetish guy just makes it so much worse and like you hate lord laris anyway he's just yeah. so creepy like, and we then didn't it need that. <laughs> we didn't need that to hate him more but <laughs> i mean i think unnerved. uh yeah i think he is this story's version of a bolton right that uh the guy that yeah takes the ironborn and turns into reek and you know the flayed yeah. man and just tortures oh, people because he likes to torture people yeah, yeah. so like He's he's this version of that where there's no redemption in him. He's just bad for always being bad. And then you're like, well, he can't get worse. And you're like, oh my god, it's worse. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's so much worse. And like every episode they're like, we're let's one up this one. And also, one other thing, how with a clubfoot is he sneaking around everywhere? Like he <laughs> people keep turning corners and be like, "Oh, Lord Laris, like I didn't know you were there." And it's like, "How could you not He has to make so much noise anyway." <laughs> That's funny, uh, um, but but yeah, yeah, he he is just so off, and the fact that she this is again another point that Allison is like it, it makes her a dynamic character of she thinks she's doing right, she has these strong morals, right? She leaves one scene where she tells her dad, you know, reluctance to not murder is not weakness. But yeah. then, like, the very next thing, she turns around and she passively lets someone be a sexual predator because he's going to go murder somebody for her. And, like, she didn't have to ask or say it verbatim, but she did allow it to happen. And she, like, lets him be a deviant because of it. And it's like, ugh. She's just dealing in, like, all these moral ambiguities back and forth of, like, she wants to do what's right or what she thinks is right or good for the most people. But then she keeps doing all these bad things as well. And it's like, it's just icky. Everything feels icky. (laughs) And then, uh, can you tell me when one of the twins is getting Rhaenys out of King's Landing? Oh, Art? (laughs) Yeah. Either Eric or Arik, but they both have brown hair and weird beards and sound like they're from Ireland. Um, one of those guys was getting her out of King's Landing. One of the buildings was on fire. Was that the um, Whisper Ladies building? I don't know. I think it might have been the White Worms building. I th- That's what I thought it was, but I don't think it, they said it. I thought it was the place where the kids were fighting. I took it to be that was Otto burning down for the White Worm. Huh. Oh. Oh. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it may know. have been. 
I don't, and then I think it was a hooded figure that you never saw their face that was leaving it. So that was really vague. And I was hoping you could tell me what happened, but turns out you're just a big dumb idiot. So you couldn't. <laughs> um, next, uh, in, in the ending of this episode, we see a couple things happen. Number one is the sole purpose of the Targaryen line essentially is to keep passing down this dagger that's got the, the promise on it, the prince that was promised, and that each person hands off to their heir, understanding that someone from the north is going to have to come and unite the seven kingdoms to defeat the bad people, right? You see that broken once Alicent gives that dagger to Aegon. Mm-hmm. And he says, do you love me? And she says, you imbecile, which I thought was fun. Um, and then you get that really dramatic entrance scene, which I thought was really cool, of Aegon coming and everybody being pushed into the dragon pit. Thank you, the dragon pit. And um, that was all real. I thought it was all really well done. And you, I was getting some real strong Joffrey vibes from Aegon, from Aegon, and towards in there when he like picks up the sword and he kind of feels people like clap for him. Like you can just kind of see in his eyes, he's like, "Yeah, no, I'm made for this. This is actually great. People love me." I was like, this dude's going to suck. I don't like him at all. That actor did a phenomenal job of or portraying somebody getting affirmation for the first time f- sure. for being the powerful king. Yeah, you, that's a great, that's a really great point to key in on. And there's some history with the crown, right? That was Aegon the Conqueror's crown that mm-hmm. they give to him instead of the crown that Viserys wore. Mm-hmm. And correct if I'm wrong, wasn't that crown put away because Aegon's kid was like crazy, insane, and a terrible ruler? So they put away his crown to be like, we don't want that. We don't want that around our house anymore, right? Yeah, so Magor, who took over after uh, Aegon the Conqueror, Magor the Cruel, is, as the name would suggest, cruel. And... <laughs> Was just murdering everybody all the time for no reason, and just everybody hated him. Um, Sounds like a real cost another war. Yeah, um, which again, I'm very excited to see what this show will do because I think that once they finish the Dance of the Dragons, they could go back and give us another prequel. And there's so many more cool stories back in in, in the history. But yeah, uh, this. They used Blackfire, which was one of the ancient Valerian swords and uh, the Conqueror's crown, all of which to be like, and they used his name, right? Aegon, the second mm-hmm. of his name, uh, all to be like, this is the Conqueror Reborn, who is, you know, hey, this big giant uh, man of history. It'd basically be like if we elected a new president and his name was George Washington Jr. And he took a picture crossing the Delaware on a on a boat and nice. he wore okay. a wig every time to be like, look, and he like chopped down a cherry tree or something. Was that him sure. or or Lincoln? Yeah. I don't know. But like yeah, it'd be it's all the things of like, remember that great leader of the past? I'm basically him again. We also get um Viserys's name in this. Uh Viserys the Peaceful, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, That's pretty that was kind. <laughs> I don't think I've heard that said before. I was like, you know what? I've kind of turned the corner on Viserys. At least he got a nice little epithet. Uh, Viserys the kind. Or the peaceful. There are worse. Sure, give that to him. Uh, but then, as Kristen Cole, who's such a <laughs> puts the <laughs> crown on him, and everybody's like, yay, hooray, Aegon, hooray. The dragon bursts through, and I was like, oh, yes. 
oh, and everybody's running and scattering, and the dragon turns its head. And the and Allison steps in front of her kid, being like, this is it. I would like to protect my son at all costs. So sad. I stood up on my couch, and I yelled Dracaris 57 <laughs> times. And I was so mad when when she didn't say Dracaris. Dracaris or Dracaris? Dracaris. God dang it. I was so mad when she didn't say Dracaris. And, but I kind of get it. And I wanted y'all's take on this too. Because I feel like Rainey's, she could have ended the whole thing right there. Yeah. She could have ended the entire rebellion right then and there with one word from her huge dragon that's taking up the entire building at this point in time. With all of their foes essentially sitting in one spot. One bullet would have killed 18 birds at that point in time. Uh-huh. But she didn't. And part of me is like, oh, why didn't you do that? Well, the obvious answer is because there would be no season two. <laughs> um, the second answer, I think, is I don't think Rainey's is A, sure which side she's on yet. She just knows she's not down with the way this went down. But B, I think that Rainey's also, too, doesn't feel like this is necessarily her battle that she needs to end. I think she could save everybody a lot of bloodshed and a lot of time and a lot of war. If she just says Dracaris right then and there, done deal. But I also kind of feel like she doesn't really want to help Renera out a whole lot. Like, if this yeah. is going to happen, fine. You'll fight it on your own. I'm taking my dragon. I'm getting the heck out of here. I'll come back when you all figured this thing out. I, I'm i with you on that. I think she might have done it had she not had that conversation with Allison earlier in the episode. Uh, when she she has that really cool line where she talks about, like, you know, you don't want to actually be free. You just want to make a window in your cell. I was like, ooh. Yes. Yeah. Poignant. Uh, but the other thing. you never imagined yourself on the Iron Throne? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she also makes a comment to her where she was like, I, you're much smarter than I originally gave you credit for. Like, she's mm-hmm. starting to respect Allison more in that moment. And mm-hmm. I think if she had just saw her as this whiny little girl that you know married her brother and is now trying to usurp his throne she would have popped out of that pit and then burned all of them to the ground i think she gained more respect for her as a woman as a mother and as a leader and trying to do the right thing which i think rainies is also trying to do the right thing at all times and it just plays in a very broken system um i think the other thing is that None of this happened in the books, so they can't just like they can't just completely change the story, right? Like it's one thing to like put her in a place where she wasn't supposed to be, but then to be like also she, <laughs> she did, killed everybody. <laughs> she killed everybody. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. that's very different. I, I, I think I'm my concern is that this is the first time I've really felt in this show that we've gotten to some bad writing. And I, I, I think that they made this really great dragon intro queen rainey's scene and it really worked for the the set but they didn't they couldn't kill off every single high tower and there's no reason she would only kill one like she, if she's gonna kill them all then why wouldn't she just kill them all so they just had her fly off on her dragon and it's either we get no dragon scene or we get a dragon scene well, I don't want to go back to saying I'm a genius, but uh, I do think that this does... You now, as the viewer, you don't really know whose side Rainey's is on. If yeah. she was fully on Team Renera, she would have burned everybody to a crisp. If she was totally against Renera, she never would have brought the dragon dragon out in the first place. 
So the fact that she does that, she ruins the coronation. And then she leaves without killing everybody, I think makes you think, okay, either A, she doesn't think this is her fight that she wants to be in at all, or B, she doesn't think that she needs to finish the fight all on her own. Yeah, I think the deal that Allison made her where she was like, I'll give you Driftmark all to yourself. She was like, I kind of want to just do that. Like, yeah, Renera killed my son, you know, in her mind, and everybody's dead in my life. And I just want to take my dragon and go back to my island and rule what I have and let everybody else figure out, you know, squabble over their iron throne. Let me just go be king of my Driftmark. Drift, uh, Driftwood throne. The fact that she did both and neither, I don't like because no matter which side she falls on, she should have done something else. If that's... Well, she's about to big time fall on Renera's team. She's about to go, like, sit on her council. Then for, she like, the should have killed... The high towers. I don't believe. <laughs> I don't believe that you go and run to Rhaenyra's side and be like, "Hey, they're coming for you." And they're like, "Oh, you had this dragon. Are there dragons?" Like, no. I. They were actually all lined up, and I could have taken them all out. <laughs> it would have been super easy. <laughs> barely an inconvenience. Would Would you have had to curve the bullet Not to make all. to hit them all? No, no, straight line. <laughs> straight uh, so, would have been so easy. I, I, I also like that she looked like she was about to say it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When it cut away from her, she looked like she was about to say the word. Like it was right on the edge of her lips. And then it, the word Dracarys. And she like, she started to say it. And then it cuts away. And then you get the, the back and forth. That was such a really good episode. And we didn't... If you were to say who are the two leads of House of the Dragon at this point in time, it's got to be Rhaenyra and Damon, Or maybe Allison instead of Damon. But definitely those are two of the top three. And we didn't even see two of those people at all this entire episode. So the fact that they could do that and still have a very compelling, maybe the most compelling episode up to this point, really, really cool. Um, to wrap up, predictions for the finale. Do you think we're going to get a big battle scene? Or is this going to be one of those where you they get us right up to the big battle and then they, <laughs> the next season on House of the Dragon and then you, like, you don't get the chance to see it? Or I'm assuming there's a lot of battles and not one big one that mm-hmm. they're going to unpack for us. Or Crawford, can you kind of give us an idea? Is there like one really big battle that kind of starts it off, um, that that kickstarts the the civil war? Um, I can't think of the one off the top of my head. Um, so sorry for not being ready on the spot. But there are lots of battles throughout, and a lot of them come from the next generation running into each other. Right, as people go to try to uh, garner support for one side or the other. And then they'll end up at the same place. Like the kids will end up at the same place okay. at the same time, trying to court the same lord, and then fighting ensues from that point. Um, but it it will be very fun. I think that there will be one big battle at least in this. I think it's going to be rainy. I think it's going to be dark because they love doing dark lighting when they fight. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know why Game of Thrones is like, oh, it's a battle. Make it pitch black, um, but they love Easier to do to that. CGI the dragons that way. I guess so. Probably it's cheaper that way. Uh, when you said when you said it's going to be rainy, I was like, oh no! Is there another R name that I, I need to learn <laughs> for this show? Is there any Rhaenyra, Rainy's Raina? It's like who is Rainy? No, just the just the element, the nature. 
Okay, well, I'm fired up, man. Uh, Drew Allen, you sticking with Eamon? Do you think Eamon's going to end up on the throne? Yeah, I just want an Eamon-Damon fight now. Just to the death. Damon's going to kill a whole him episode. so hard. Damon's going to kill him so hard. Uh-oh. What is that face? Uh-oh. You want an Eamon-Damon fight? Oh, no. I, oh, I no. want it to last a whole season. Just You're going to get an Eamon-Damon fight. It I, it shouldn't be this season, but you will get an Eamon-Damon fight, and it's going to be... Uh, it's, what I, it's what I've been waiting for the whole time. Yeah. yeah. I, bet, I bet they give you a little tease of it in this episode. I bet they face off in the battlefield. And it gets cut short because of something. It's like, I'll be back for you. And then three years later, we get that. Um, Damon wins because of expertise. And then Eamon uses that in season four sure. against him. I'm just really excited to see how they wrap up this first season. And for hopefully ten more seasons of this. Because they're, they're doing a fantastic job. And the material is already written. So the showrunners can't pass George R. R. Martin up and then make their own crappy ending to this story. Which is great. You know, they, there's no way they can let us down now. Expectations super high. Which uh, which Cargill brother, Eric or Eric? Which one do you think is gonna? <laughs> They're gonna kill each other, right? One of them's gonna have to kill the other one. And it's gonna be like sad, but also we're not gonna know which one's which, so we won't really care. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be one of those. Oh, I bet I should care about that, but I don't at this point. I, I, hope, I hope wins me over. I hope the show does something like really, really cheesy to denote like this one is this one and this one is that one like makes them green and one wears black yeah like something way over the top or one of them like shaves his head entirely or something like that Mm -hmm. to be like look it's me over here i'm totally i'm different and special yeah and and i want to see which side dougal lands on because i really do love dougal even though i didn't love highlander that much i think that he'll be a i think he'll be a difference maker and it looks like that's going to do it for this episode of Not the Podcast You Deserve as we break down the penultimate episode of House of the Dragon. Catch us next week as we do the finale breakdown and also a horror movie breakdown bracket thing of fun times, happy, good times, fun stuff. Next on Not the Podcast You Deserve. <laughs>